Hey, fanboys and fangirls. You know that annoying moment where you're missing that one issue to complete a run? Have no fear. Harry Tarantula is having a back issue sale from July 17th to July 23rd, 2017. It's 25% off all back issues, so you'll surely be able to complete your collection. Then, for all those who want to become pros in the business, they're doing 20% off art books from July 24th to July 30th, the very next week. So head on down to Harry Tarantula at 6979 Young Street and get in on all those sweet sales. And tell them Aaron sent you. You're listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. Here's your host, Aaron Broverman. Godspeed, old chum. Hello, fanboys and fangirls. Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble on the Never Sleeps Network at NeverSleepsNetwork.com. I am your host, Aaron Broverman. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast needs met. We're sponsored by Harry Tarantula, and today in the house we have Andrew Thomas. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Good, good. Andrew is a letterer for Chapter House Publishing. That's the Canadian publisher that handles Pitiful Human Lizard, Freelance, Agents of Pact, and of course, their uh, creme de la creme title, Captain Canuck. Oh yes, good old Cap. Exactly. You also have uh, your own creator-owned book, Auric of the Great White North, right, Andrew? That's right, that's correct. That's awesome. And you've done lettering for guests we've had in here before, uh, Scott Sawyer on yes, his that's North right. book. Uh, you did lettering for him as well. Yeah. But before we get into your professional credits and how you got into doing comics professionally as a letterer and artist, I want to get to know you a little bit. Um, where are you from originally? Uh, I was born and raised and still currently live in Mississauga. That's cool. So how did you first get into comics? Well, I mean, I've been, you know, reading comics and I've been aware of comics for, you know, as long as really I can remember, um, you know, reading graphic novels, definitely in high school is definitely where it, the ball, the ball started rolling. Funny enough, I didn't actually go to school for illustration. I actually went to school for game design of all things. And, um, after I graduated, I kind of decided to, you know, shift gears and go back into comics because I've, I've been drawing, you know, for forever and uh, my love for it kind of continued it. So there was a lot of transferable skills from from college. So I kind of just went right back into illustration and I'm like, hey, my love for comics, my love for illustration and, and, and this and, and a bunch of other variables kind of led me into just just drawing for for the sake of drawing and and, and that that kind of um led into the the convention scene where that's kind of where the whole the i guess i was bitten by the bug right uh, for 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 the love of of creating comics and 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 whatnot yeah the community is really strong here and i think if you have like a little bit of like a love for drawing it's the community support 
in Toronto specifically mm-hmm. that sort of gives people the confidence to start going to conventions and and touring and oh, doing all yeah, those absolutely. Sorts of I mean, you know, we're living in uh, in a time where the where the convention scene, you know, being a, a nerd or a geek, so to say, is definitely the norm. Whereas, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, it would be kind of like people turn the other the other way and <laughs> they give the other cheek it's like oh you read comics and, and and that but and then look how many things are inspired from comics or, or or how how much comics has become part of the mainstream you know pop culture so what was it about comics as a medium uh, that really spoke to you funny enough it's the the idea of not having to use your imagination uh, so much when you're reading a story because you know you're reading you're reading a novel or uh, um, and so you you let your your imagination run kind of thing kind of pick whereas you know you read a comic and at least for me that that part of the equation is removed so you, you you can enjoy the visuals as well, enjoy the story, and then kind of focus on you know the story a bit more, and then you you kind of finish you know like well that was that was nice, and you move on to the next or reread it. So it's a fun way to to give your your a mind a break at times, I guess I would say. Right, because the art's done for you, so you know what's happening and how it's supposed to be depicted. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Cool. It's interesting because everybody has, like, different styles of reading comics, I think. Like, some people take the art in and the writing in at the same time. Some people sort of breeze by the art and just read it. Mm-hmm. Other people, it's about the art for them. You know, you it, can you can read it a bunch of different ways. Oh, yeah. A, a lot of people actually will kind of disregard a comic just because they don't like the art and, and even the story, the story could be fantastic, but you got to give it a chance because you, there isn't no one right way to, to draw. I mean, it, it's a very subjective uh, medium. So the, you have so many, so many different styles and, and so many different ways to depict a certain subject. So it, you like, give it a chance, really. Did you, like you said, you went to school initially for game design. Did you give uh, game design a try and then it just didn't work or um i would say that there was a um a loss of love for the for the industry uh only only because when i went to school they, they kind of promoted it, uh, it like okay you know you, your chances are better uh in the industry if you're a programmer you know that kind of a thing i mean there there's there's tons of graphic designers and, and modelers and, and whatnot, but like, you know, they, they're really, at least at the time they're, they're like, they're really hungry for, for programmers. And I'm like, well, I'm not a programmer. I, uh, learning a new language at my age is not gonna, <laughs> I don't have the, the capacity for that. It's something that really puts me to sleep. You know, I, I, I took that. And then, and then after, um, uh, graduating. I mean, I used my graphic design skills. I started doing a lot of freelance graphic design work. I actually ended up working on a game that ended up uh, becoming a, a game for the iPhone, uh, so, which is, I think is still available on the, um, excuse me, it's on the, uh, on the app store. So basically he gave me the, the programmer gave me a list of assets that they want. He wanted um, designed. So I ended up designing it and there you go. At least I have a published game to my name, you know, using those skills. But uh, that was pretty much it. I mean, we we, we did you know a couple uh, uh, projects in school. Like we did a two D side scroller. We you know we we tried a three D uh, you know puzzle game. You know that kind of a thing. So I mean, I, I had my hand in it, but 
I didn't. I didn't love it. What was the game called that you eventually published? Uh, oh, check good. It out. Now here we go. Um, I believe it was like Bubble Bubble Stars. Yeah, oh, okay. Bubble Stars with the Z at the end. Was it one of those like bubble shooting games? Yeah, basically, you have your your protagonist kind of thing, and he's kind of like falling, and you, he's falling from top to bottom, and uh, you kind of have to pop the bubbles to kind of clear his path, kind of a thing. Oh, I see. So I mean, it is fun. It has its obstacles. It's not my you know, proudest project, but it was at the time, you know, it, it was, uh, it, it was decent. It was okay. Cool. Cool. So then you're like, I like comics and I need to do something. So is that how you like, you got into it? Yeah. So, you know, I started drawing and I started doing a bunch of, you know, pinups and posters and, and a friend of mine, we decided to, uh, to table at, uh, we, we didn't even start small, but we went to Niagara Falls Comic Con and this was back in 2002. 12 i think and we yeah we had a table i had a few prints i had some sketches and and that it was my first time ever like i had no idea but it was you know considering at the time it was it was a success and i'm like oh, this is fun i don't want to keep doing it because i felt comfortable i felt you know at home even still to this day i do shows i'm it's like a home away from home and that first time it was just sketches right yeah i had a couple prints you know batman prints and uh couple other things but uh it was you know very very small half a table you know this the kind of stuff and it just went on from there you know and then i just looked for the next show and i think we actually ended up doing uh fan, we shared a table at fan expo we actually dished out the money and you know we, we went to fan expo and like it was on a larger scale i mean we've we been to fan expo as fans you know a couple in previous years but to, to to be on the other side of the table which i've always wanted and like it was, it was overwhelming at first. I'm like, because of the, you know, the, the space and the, how how massive it it was as a show. What attracted you to the industry of comics? There's no limits to what you can do with comics. I mean, with, with, with video games, I mean, yes, there's. You're only limited by what you can do. So, I mean, I can't necessarily make a game because I can't. You know, I couldn't program it. Mind you, there are some RPG makers that kind of fill that for you. But I'm like, this. It's not the real thing. Whereas with comics, it's just the, the freedom to tell stories and, and and to share. You know, with with the community. You know. Which at, at first it was kind of discouraging because you're like, well, indie comics don't survive. I mean, you know, when you're especially when the market's cornered by the big two. So it's like, well, indie indie comics don't survive, and what are you expecting to get out of this? And um, for me, it's just, hey, it's just the freedom. I have a story. I want to tell it. People are gonna pick it up. Hopefully, they enjoy it, and that's what I want. Is is for to be able to find a, a medium to, to express it or to tell a great story and for people to enjoy and, and can continue on from there. So at first you were doing like sketches and drawings and that sort of thing, but I bet eventually you wanted to put together your own comic. I did. So I ended up the first published book that I ended up doing was a, like a noir detective kind of um, post-apocalyptic series but you know the protagonist is a the is the world's first uh cybernetic police officer kind of a thing and we had we put out one issue which we kind of left like an open ending it was like almost like a one shot but had the ability to continue what was it called it was called post human okay and uh and it was received you know fairly well and i had a great team um like i had i did have a writer uh that that we've collaborated a couple times and we kind of put this story together. Um, I had a, 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 an inker and a colorist from, from Spain that I, I met online. And, um, 
after the book, you know, kind of came out, it, it was like a bit of a, a falling out because we had some creative differences. So I'm like, okay, well, you know what? We can, we'll put it on the shelf. And, and if we decide to revisit it, you know, one day, then, then we can. So in terms of creative differences, like you want to take it one way and he wanted to take it another? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Basically, uh, the, the colorist at the end, he didn't want to continue with the project uh, for, for his own reason. I guess he wanted to focus on on other things. The the, the writer wanted uh, to he he wanted to make the series X amount of issues, but I you know I wanted it to be like a mini series, you know that kind of a thing. So uh, I'm like, you know what? It's it, it had potential, but I'm like, let's just you know let's put it away, for, you know, for now and. And that this was roughly about the time when Orr came into the picture. It reminds me of you know that show with like Michael Ely, where he plays the cop that's like a robot, that's like an android sort of thing. I can't say that I do. From like Fox, it was on for like one season. Oh, it was like Almost Human or something yeah, like that. Something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Because Carl Urban was on that show. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was very like the, the premise was what was was similar, but uh, you were before that. Yeah, <laughs> I was definitely in before the you know Fox came around. Yeah, uh, our take. Uh, uh, I kind of took uh, uh, to, to pitch it to people. I was like, like imagine you know if Inspector Gadget had a gritty, dark reboot kind of a thing. This is kind of what it would be like. That's awesome, cool. Uh, yeah, uh, go go Gadget Darkness. I guess there you go. Yeah. So after that, like you know, you you put out this issue. It, it sort of goes well. It had potential, but it doesn't really get off the ground as much as you would like. Where did you go from there? This kind of roughly is where Orc came in. So this was about 2000 and late 2014. I was contacted by Davis and he, he was, he's the artist alley for the Northern Ontario Expo up in Timmins where, where he lives. And um, so he contacts me. He's like, Hey, I've been following your stuff for some time and uh, wondering if you would like to come to our show next year, you know, our 2015 show. I'm like, okay, you know, I haven't, I haven't traveled you know, that far yet. And he runs the show. He, so he runs the artist alley. So like oh, there okay. is a, a board like of like different people handle different, different things. Oh, so okay. he just handles like the artist alley, the independent artist. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, okay. And, uh, I had this idea to do something, uh, like an exclusive. I'm like, well, maybe let's, can we create a, you know, a hero? Can we create something like a, exclusive poster you know something something to to g- gain some buzz you know? like almost like a mascot for the show right and he says well we actually have one already and orc was actually created by mike ruth oh and he he's been a, a guest of the show a few times uh uh in the last you know few he, few years and uh he, they, he was commissioned to do to to do a, a mascot for the show and it ended up being a line-headed you know viking type character because the the show at the time was partnered with the Lions Club, so he said, "Okay, this was the, the, this makes the most sense, and it looks cool." And the very first image of Orc is you know he's standing on a, on a rock and he's got his bow and arrow, and and uh, so he says that was the um, this is the character, and the, they had a contest um, one year to name the character, and there was a bunch of different entries, but uh, Oric uh, ended up winning, and the he or you know the origins of the name has has um uh, has a name has its roots in, in in gold and you know timmins being a um uh, a mining uh, you know a mining town uh, especially back in the day for for gold uh it was appropriate you know they said timmins is the city with a heart of gold so i mean i don't think there was any better name for the is fire. that their motto the I, city with the heart of gold probably unofficially <laughs> <laughs> 
to be honest, I honestly couldn't tell you. But uh, yeah, so he gets his name, he gets the he gets the look, and Davis says, "Okay, well, this is what we have." I said, "Okay, uh, you know, what about a comic?" Uh, is what I suggested, and he says, "Okay." And do you have any specific writer? Do you want anybody, or, or are you looking for a writer? I said, "Well, I, I'm looking for. I wouldn't mind somebody else tackling the story." You know, and he says, well, you know, I, I've done a bit of writing and he has, he's been, he was writing a, a web comic called E.H. Joe's. Like A. Joe's? Yeah, A. Joe's. It's a, this like, is a you, Canadian G.I. Joe's yeah, sort of thing? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. But it's very uh, uh, adult humor, you know, adult oriented kind of, kind of thing. And he sent me some stuff and, uh, and I loved it. And I'm like, okay, well, but he obviously can't be adult oriented, especially if it's a family show. So we said, okay, you know, I'll tell you know, tackle something. And he ended up sending me a, a 10 page, uh, script for the book. And I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. I mean, this is a great, uh, he, he's got a, he's, uh, touching on the, the origin a little bit of the character, how he gets his powers. And, and so that's what we did. We got to work and drew 10 pages and colored it and, and lettered it and, uh, printed 200 copies. And here comes that weekend. And, uh, I think it was just a couple a few days before we, we got approached by uh, CTV, uh, Northern Ontario. They wanted to do a piece on the uh, on the book, so Davis got interviewed uh, for that. And uh, then he did a, a, a phone interview with CBC Radio, uh, I think it was the Friday before the show. And yeah, we got some buzz going, and uh, within the within those two days of the show, we all but sold out of uh, of that book. And that was the mini comic. The that was issue yeah, zero that, mini they, comic. Yeah, so that would have been what we said. Mini issue one. This was going to be the, the the original plan was to do it maybe like an annual thing. It's like okay, every year we have the show, we'll, we'll introduce a new tale. But because of the reception uh, from the book, we decided to make a regular series. Like uh-huh. this has potential. People like it. Let's continue with it. Why do you think the media latched onto it so hard? I think because uh, there's there's definitely a lack of Canadian uh, comics and Canadian superheroes, you know. So to, to put a a face to to a small town, you know, you know, it it kind of it's bringing some people together, you know, uh, you know, having a common interest, you know, having this, this hero that's based in, you know, in their hometown. Right. So it's like the hero of the North. Yeah, pretty much of Northern Ontario. That's why we decided we, we, that's what we called it because the one thing that we didn't, we didn't want to do is, was make him a flag bearing, uh, superhero because we've we have already a few of those we have captain canuck and we have north guard and we have you know x amount of other uh examples so i'm like okay he shouldn't he shouldn't be a flag bearing superhero mainly because people people are going to notice that he's got a lion a lion head right <laughs> and people are going to you know ask questions you know saying why a lion it's not necessarily canadian and and to that we say it's not what's on the outside well, that counts. It's what's on the inside that counts, and that's what makes them Canadian. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, I mean, we're a country that exp- that that uh, embraces multiculturalism, right? So, and I feel like if it's going to be like Auric of the Great White North, like the bestial motif that he mm-hmm. has, sort of goes with that explorer. You know, I, of the North right. Nordic sort of thing. I think that the title alone, I think it, it, it was our way of saying, "Hey, this is this is a Canadian hero," you know. 
and you know we were overwhelmed with the the reception that we got you know for that uh, that one book that we just we we've sold out and that specific book is now in its third printing so we've already sold out two runs of it and then now we're in its third printing which we, which we now name issue 0 because of the of the regular series right because you have issue 1 issue 2 and issue 3 Right, right. Three issue, issue three. That's right. Yeah. Issue. There's three issues so far. There's three. So if you, if you don't count the issue zero, it would be three issues okay. of the regular series. Right. And if you counted before, mm-hmm. cool. So then you're like continuing it. So how did you continue the story? Like he came up with the origin story. Can you explain a little what the origin story sure. is? Sure. So th- the whole idea is that uh, Oric's been around for, for you know for over a century. You know he he's in his golden years, and, and uh, again um, using the the gold theme, um, you know he's been around for for some time, and uh, you know in the early 1900s he was a gold miner in Timmins, which was appropriate enough. And there was this mysterious gas leak within the caves of the mine and uh, everyone got infected and they transformed into these hideous beasts and demons and including Oric. And, uh, you know, there he is on the ground in pain. And this Inuit goddess appears before him and she says, I'm going to give you the power to control this transformation. And now it is your job to kind of vanquish this evil that's now bestowed your land. And he 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 wages a you know like a, like a hundred year war fighting these um, these monsters and you know who used to be his friends pretty much okay. yeah cut to present day you know there was there was a a nice great you know period of ten years where he thinks he's he's won and you know it's been nice and quiet and, and you know peaceful in the north but then they start showing up again so uh, so the the story takes place you know in the present day and it's the the whole theme is the, is the fact that you know he he's not in his prime anymore he's not you know what he once was and, and it's him trying to come to terms with that and you know how to deal with these new threats so he he enlists uh the help of some other you know gifted people um to form this uh, this alliance called legion 99 and basically it's like one is a um is like a tech expert and one is kind of dabbling with uh magic and and that kind of a thing so it's got its fantasy elements to it too they each have like their own sort of superpower kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah basically yeah so the one thing that i that i kind of need clarity on and i think maybe our audience does but i don't want to spoil anything his friends from the mine turn into these like bestial things and he ends up fighting them for like a hundred years if you're working in a mine i guess as a team there's only like a one team of miners right why does it take him a hundred years to vanquish these (laughs) these beasts and are there more like do they give birth to more of them or something um, I don't know how well I can answer that question okay. because I'm I'm not um, fully uh, we ha- Davis and I we haven't really touched on that specific issue uh, part of the story because you know it takes place now right but um, I I mean my best my best guess is um, like I'm, I'm not entirely sure how many people were in the mine and uh, I guess throughout the course of the time I mean he he had to kind of. Sc- you know, uh, scourge the, you know, the, the land. So I, he's, he's definitely traveled Davis and I, we were talking and he, and he's also definitely been involved in, in, uh, in world war two and, and, uh, um, other conflicts as well. So, uh, our plan 
you know, it, it is to eventually tell those stories, right? You know, because we every issue has a bit of a flashback to kind of give, uh, you know, so, to more exposition on on certain characters or on certain on on this and that. And uh, we've we've talked about arcs where you know it takes place completely in World War II or or following, um, you know, the events after the accident in the mine. So. The, the, it's all pieces of the puzzle that, that we're going to put together, you know, one at a time. It's and it's not necessarily going to be linear, but, um, you know, as of right now, this is the theme that we're focusing on now. But these beasts, his former friends, are sort of, like, spread out yeah, throughout I mean, time. Like, he finds them yeah, they're, they're some years with wings, later, yeah, and, like, they're not all in one place, basically. Basically, yeah. Like they, they're, they like, kind scattered of, throughout the world, and he has to... It takes him a long time to get to each one of them. Right. I mean, I mean the first things first is um, after the accident, you know, he has to learn to train and, and learn to to adapt to this new power that he has. And, he, you know, one thing that we've also explored is the idea is that he had a mentor, which is is still, you know, deep in development. But um, he had a family and he had and, and this and that and um, are all aspects of his backstory like the whole point is, is uh, about Oric is that his, his past is extremely mysterious for reasons uh, okay. you know um and, and one that we you know plan to t- tackle on in, in a future issue yeah you plan to like slowly reveal it over time mm-hmm. uh take care of these sort of plot issues that i that i've brought brought up yeah. and that kind of thing okay cool yeah that's awesome so then you're working on Auric, and uh, what is it like sort of not only working on a book that the show mascot is the central character, like that seems like a larger responsibility, but even larger than that, you're taking on someone else's character. Like it's a character that you didn't really create with the writer. I mean, you created the backstory, you, you know, you, you filled out the look and stuff, but it was Mike Ruth's character first. Right. So how do you feel about those two responsibilities of like, you're stewarding this character as like a representative of like that, that Northern Ontario Comic-Con, but then also you're taking care of it, uh, you know, for Mike Ruth sort of, Mm. because it's his character too. So you can't, you can't do things that, that Mike wouldn't necessarily approve of. We had a chat with him, you know, even way before we we, we put out the first issue. Um, we, we had a chat with him, and we were talking with him about the direction of it, and and we got his blessing. Here's the character, and the whole idea for him was to like uh, to create the character. And you kind of go do what you please with it because it was a gift to the um, uh, to the show. And then uh, with you know with the blessing with Mike uh, with Mike's blessing and uh, uh, Jason, who's the actual the showrunner for the show. Uh, with his blessing, they kind of like you know you guys are on the right track. You just kind of do what you're doing, and, and that's that's basically what we we have been doing. Davis and I we talk about the story and uh, we talk about the direction that we think we want to go. And fortunately, you know we don't necessarily uh, need a whole lot of feedback. It's just like this is the direction that we're taking the character. So I mean, I spoke with with Mike, you know, maybe about a year later. And, um, you know, he, he expressed interest about doing a, a short story, um, you know, that's more serious and maybe more, more grittier, it, you know, intrude to the, the original uh, vision that he had. And we're absolutely all for it because we're, we're taking Oric in different directions where we have our regular story 
And then we're introducing a, a new kid-friendly version called Oryx Tall Tales, which is going to be a um, like a free short. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a, a short mini comic, and we're going to be giving them away uh, free to kids to kind of promote m- more literacy and get kids into comics and kind of like an anthology. Uh, not each- necessarily. Um, I, I mean, the first one we're writing is only three pages, and, uh, and it's okay. going to be because it's cheap so to- each one that you give is a tall tale, basically. Basically, so okay. it, the whole idea is that when we when we do a different show we'll do a different tall tale uh and we'll we'll give them away for free and we're we're fortunate enough to be partnering up with uh, pop culture canada which is a uh organization that that brings the the comic-con scene to small towns you know to places that they don't necessarily reach the uh or that the market doesn't reach that's cool. So yeah, we're doing one. Uh, we're going to Tilsonburg uh, near London uh, in a couple weeks, and we are going to be debuting our first edition of uh, of Tall Tales. For those who don't know, what is the Comic Con scene like in smaller towns? Uh, as compared to like, well, the San Diego Comic Con, which well, is coming up. It, as we're it's definitely this. you know a huge fraction of the size. Uh, you know, it, chances are it, it's a small hall with with a few vendors and a few artists, and it's it just a reason for families to get out. And and uh, uh, David Wildstar, who runs Pop Culture Canada, is extremely generous because he also uses that uh, those shows to, for food donations and, and to collect money for you know to to donate to, you know you know Salvation Army or food banks you know of the like so you know the he says um you know shows uh or the entry fee to the show is is, uh, is a couple bucks or bring a couple cans of food and and you get to enjoy the show so it's like it's like what comic cons were at the beginning of fandom yeah i would definitely say that yeah he yeah. he he's and then now he's introducing you know the you know the scene to small shows so that way um yeah, everybody gets to everyone gets to enjoy a little piece of it. What's the like feeling or the climate or like how how does it differ? You know, you being like a like a artist from Artist Alley. What's kind of like the flow of the shows? How how's the reception of the of? You mean for small shows? Uh, yeah, for smaller shows. Well, it's definitely uh, more family oriented. Like you definitely. Can, it is definitely night and day. I mean, you're, you're, you can't go expecting fan expo levels of, of fandom, uh, but instead you're getting uh, you're getting families coming out to get their photos taken with, with Batman and other costume characters and people you know looking to um, sell their collections. You know, you know, local uh, local people. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I guess you wouldn't get that much of an opportunity like if you've had this collection in your house for a long time yeah you know unless you want to bring it to like the local flea market or like swap meet or travel to like a show in a bigger city you won't get a really an opportunity to like sell your collection and trade it with other collectors and stuff like that yeah cool cool and um the thing too is like you know, with smaller shows, I guess you can get more up close and personal with the guests as well. It's definitely more intimate, um, and I, I definitely have more time to you know pitch, you know, Oric or or pitch a, a Captain Canuck, you know, because a, a lot of the times too, when I'm doing small shows like that, I'm also like a, a chapter house 
a pop-up shop. So I have copies of the, the first volume trades, or I have, um, you know, the latest, uh, Captain Canuck issue or, or freelancer or whatnot, just, you know, the stuff to get people involved. And I get to, you know, see people, you know, they're ex- you know, express their excitement because they're like, oh, I've, I have the first uh, Captain Canuck book, you know, from 1975. Or yeah, I the have, original Richard Comley ones. Right, right. And, and people's like, well, it's, I can't believe he's grown so much. And, and you know, people who, who aren't exactly in tune with, with what's happening, you know, nowadays, especially on social media, aren't aware of how much, you know, Captain Canuck has grown, for example. So it's our chance to to spread the word and spread the news that you know that we you know we have these these awesome Canadian books and and Canadian comics are making uh, a bit of a, a renaissance. And actually, now more so than ever with uh, with the addition of uh, of Jay Baruchel as CCO of Chapter. Yeah, uh, that was a recent announcement. Uh, Jay Baruchel, the the who was once the kid from Popular Mechanics for Kids, yeah, that's right, <laughs> and uh, my hometown, and you know the actor from uh, How to Train Your Dragon, How to Train Your Goon. Dragon, and Goon, and uh, this is the end. Is that's that the right. one that he did? Uh, he, yeah, he's the chief creative officer for Chapter House, so I guess he's working with uh, Kalman Andrushovsky past guest on speech bubble and uh fatty hakeem that's right to like sort of spearhead the direction of chapter house and the really exciting thing and i think they were planning this a little bit before jay came on but now that jay is part of it i think it's really gaining some steam is that they were building the chapter verse so that all the chapter house comics similar to marvel and dc are all together part of the same universe. That's right. Yep. So you'd have Captain Canuck running into the pitiful human lizard and, you know, uh, the spirit leaves a character running into Captain Canuck and vice versa and those sorts of things. So, so Chapter House, um, if I'm, if I can uh, correct you on, on one thing. So Chapter House has basically has two sections. Oh, yeah. So okay. they have their chapter verse uh, section, which is Captain Canuck, pitiful human lizard, uh, agents of pact, freelance, phantoma, They've also announced uh, Northgard, uh, Fallen Sun, which is a new book that's coming out uh, later in the year. Uh, those all share one universe. And then they have their creator own section, which is Spirit Leaves, uh, uh, Fourth Planet, uh, Life, Death, Life, Death, and Sorcery, and, and, and so on. Oh, so part of it, mm. the non-superhero part, I guess, or the creator own part. It doesn't isn't part of the chapter. Uh, at least I don't know if if they're going if if there is a plan for it. But it looks like as of now that they're two separate things. Like they have their in house production and then they have creator own productions. I see that, that kind of. A I thing. see. I didn't know that. Mm. But like all the like superhero stuff that you know, like Northgard and Freelance and Agents of Pack, that's all part of the same. That's right. Canadian universe. And they're meant to be read in a specific order. So, you know, you'll have the first two volumes of Captain Canuck, and then you'll read Northgard, which follows the, the events of that, and then you'll read Agents of Pact, and then uh, and then you can read Freelance, and then go back into Captain Canuck, which is, they're about to they're launch their new issue one. That's really cool, because I think one of the problems, and one of the reasons that people seem to like manga a little bit more than like american comics right now is because there's so many reboots and replays and you know you have to read a whole bunch of books to like get into you know one book and that kind of thing but you guys have like manga does you have like a specific order to things Mm -hmm. and it's all part of one giant story even though 
it's like multiple books and it's not like, you know, you're rebooting the character constantly and new creative teams are coming in and like really, really fast and that kind of thing. It's all part of one giant tapestry that you're telling, right? Right. I mean, even for, for Pitiful Human Lizard, I mean, even Jason Liu, who does a fantastic uh, job uh, with the series, you know, writes the stories, especially the, the, the newer issues to kind of intertwine and follow the events of certain other chapter house uh books you know you have um i think it's issue 13 if i'm not mistaken where basically uh the whole issue kind of follows the events of of the new captain canuck issue one and then you know and um you have the pitiful human lizard kind of dealing with the fallout in in his own way which which i i think is brilliant because now you, you get to see more than one perspective you know based on you know one event Right, and if I could say, like, the Pitiful Human Lizard is sort of like the street-level hero of the chapterverse. Exactly. So, in the same way that, like, Marvel's Netflix heroes are hearing about the incident, uh, you know, on New York, you know, like, Pitiful Human Lizard is dealing with incidents that are happening in Captain Canuck, but from a street level, from, you know, hearing about it as, like, an average, more humble, more personable superhero not like the big Captain Canuck, uh, Superman-esque style hero, right? Yeah, and that's exactly it, yeah. You've been listening to Speech Bubble. Back after this. This episode of Speech Bubble is sponsored by Harry Tarantula. Go visit them at 6979 Young Street for their games nights. They've got Warhammer, they've got Star Wars miniatures, they've got Dungeons and Dragons, and they have board games nights. Go to HarryT.com for the schedule and enjoy some serious gaming. Welcome back, and now more Speech Bubble. So how did you get involved in uh, being a part of Chapter House? So, yeah, this goes back to basically me um, at the convention scene. You know, I'm uh, making making acquaintances and making new friends with, with people. You know, I'm getting, you know, after doing, you know, quite a few shows, you, you start seeing the same faces and, and other familiar faces. And uh, you start, you know, making friends within and build kind of building the, the, the community. So... I started uh, getting friendly with, uh, you know, with, with Jason Liu and, uh, and I started following more on, uh, following more on Captain Canuck and which, which kind of brought me to an opportunity to do a, a variant cover for issue two of Captain Canuck, which came out in 2015. And, uh, um, did they, because you were friends with, those guys did they just go we need a variant cover do you want to do no, it what, or? what ended up happening was um i was spoke to the uh, the owner of gotham central in mississauga carlos camara and he basically asked and you know allowed me the opportunity to to do a, a, a store variant for captain canuck so he kind of brought us together so you know after doing that i, I got to to know fatty a bit more and i got to know uh, other members of chapter house uh, you know a bit more and um and then from one variant it led to another variant uh which was for um all new classic captain canuck number one which I, I paid a bit of an homage to uh to frank miller and and his uh, dark knight returns style batman but as a as a captain Canuck, so I mean, after doing uh, you know these variants and uh, uh, at conventions, I actually got to do uh, a signing at at the chapter house booth, and you know, so and I was you know um, 
you know, signing copies of the variants and, and uh, you know, getting, you know, more friendlier with, uh, with the folks there. Then comes time for, um, was my first lettering gig. They were looking for somebody to do issue 10 of, of Captain Canuck. Uh, they said that their, their current letter was too busy and couldn't take, take on the project. So they, they came to me and, um, did they know you could letter? Yeah, so I think at first they were asking around, and then this was actually it was thanks to Davis. Davis kind of messaged them, says, "Hey, you know, Andrew Thomas, you know, does lettering. He does he letters our book. He show. I think uh, I had to show examples and whatnot." And Tony said, uh, Tony White, which was the managing editor of Chapter House, he's like, okay, um, well, we need an editor. And if you can letter and we'll send you the assets and we'll send you, you know, what you need. Uh, it was kind of like a rush job. So I had like a couple of days to do it. And so I'm like, oh, you're, okay, the pressure's on. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, it ended up working out. And, uh, you know, I they said, well, we're happy with what you did and within the time that you did it. So, you know, thanks for doing it. And, uh, then he comes back and says, Oh, okay. Now here's issue 11. And then I'm like, okay. And, and then, then Tony and I, you know, we sat down and we talked and he says, look, here's the plan. We're going to get you to letter all the chapter house books. He says, you know, it, it's simple. You know, you're, you're quick. Uh, you're, you're, we like what you're doing. And you know, this is, you know, with, with the praise and everything like that from them. I'm like, Absolutely. I kind of just took the opportunities as they came. So how did you learn how to letter? You know, there's fortunately, there's a lot of um, great websites and articles on, on, on tips and letterings. There's Blambots and Comic Craft and they, they actually give, there's a whole whack of articles that they say, here's what you, here's the list of do's and don'ts and here's how to do this and how to do that. And, and, uh, it's so basically it's just one article at a time, you know, and this was way back when I was doing still post human. So I had to learn how to, how to letter, uh, back then. So, cause you don't want to pay somebody separately. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm, um, uh, I might as well do it. And, and, and now that I think about it, this was uh, a piece of advice that, that I actually got from, from Doug at paradise comics, uh, Doug Simpson, the owner. That's right. And, uh, this was way back when I was showing him, uh, uh, post human, like my lettering wasn't the greatest, but he, you know, it, what what Doug said was like, you know what? Uh, the first thing he noticed was, hey, your lettering is good, and I'm like, oh, okay, great, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, what, what about the arts? And and uh, he says, and I say that because if the lettering looks amateur or if it looks bad, it throws off the entire. I say feng shui or the entire mood of the book. It could it, it could um, throw off the flow. And, and the look of it. So I'm like, wow. Okay. So since then I kind of went back and, and I, and I learned more, you know, and I just kept reading and, and teaching myself, you know, the proper, you know, do's and don'ts and how to, uh, make, you know, awesome sound effects and, and, and color coordinating, which, you know, lettering, I think is very underappreciated and it's a, and it's a graphic design job in its own, in its own right. So. So what do you do? I mean, we've only had one other letterer on the show, uh, Ron Kassman. Mm -hmm. And he sort of learned sort of like the classic way, like the, with the, you know, the the rulers and stuff. So how do you letter modern? Uh, What's the modern technique? Well, I could could safely say that I would not be able to letter traditionally because yeah, my, my writing and my calligraphy is, is terrible. But basically I use illustrator, Adobe illustrator to, to do, to do my work. And, uh, I'll be, I'll, 
be given, uh, you know, 20 pages of, of, let's say, Kaplan Canuck, and I'm given the script, and I have uh, a template uh, given to me uh, that they used on their previous books. Mm-hmm. And um, everything is like the template is is set to its correct size and 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 kerning and and you know just the uh, you know the the stroke and the size of the bubble everything. And it'll show you like how the alphabet is supposed to look. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, um, everything is is kind of pre done. You know, thanks to the the past letter who kind of just set it up and and then they just send it over everything to me and I've been using it ever since. Um, so they'll get the script and, uh, and each, it go, you know, the script goes by panel and you're basically putting the, um, the, the words into the balloons and then onto the page, you know, it, and you got to do it in such a way where it's not up. First of all, it's got to not, not obstruct the art, but it's also got to flow. So, so it, it also has to, you have to be mindful of, of how you're, you're placing the, the balloons. So that way the reader can also follow it correctly because, um, and, and, and half the time, you know, um, it's all guesswork and, uh, it just, I have to kind of read it as I go along. So, so I, I can, you know, uh, to see if it flows for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And, uh, and, 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 you know, a lot of the times, you know, um, I'll get, uh, edits and revisions from from the editor saying here you know, let's let's move it over here instead or, or a lot of the times it's a, it's a lot of grammar grammar uh, edits and, and changes but um, the, yeah it's basically the gist of, uh, of of what I do on that end so uh, how do you like fit all the words into the bubbles can you make changes or cuts there's or well what happens? a lot of the, a lot of that uh, stuff it, i leave to to the editors like so they'll they'll do copy edits and and uh so a lot of the times the artist will will kind of already have be aware of where the bubbles should be mm-hmm. so they kind of draw around it and and my job is to kind of put the the bubbles in the dead space where they kind of leave it there have been occasions, you know, uh, other you know, where there's too much dialogue or or it's too crowded, so they they have to do you know more copy edits and they have to trim the 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 dialogue t- to be just so it can it can fit properly. But that's not your job. If you notice that, you have to send it back to the copy editor. I would, yeah. So I'll, I'll letter I'll letter it anyway, and uh, and you know I'll kind of do my best where it was. sometimes I'll have to uh, I'll have to trim it because it'll be you know flush against the, the the panel border. But once I send it to them, you know I'll send a note saying, hey, you know this looks a little crowded, and uh, it's in your hands now. And thankfully we have some fantastic editors who they remedy the situation and and uh, then they send me the notes back and we fix it and it ends up looking looking great. How do you cope with the deadline pressure? Because these are monthly books and you're you're doing all the books. Well, thankfully, um, <laughs> they're not all done at once and they're not all monthly. I mean, they are monthly, but I guess the chapter house's schedule now is like the, for the first three months where we're going to be putting out agents of pact and freelance and, um, and then, and then, then we'll put out, uh, Captain Canuck, you know, the next three months and, and Northgard. And so they have a, a release schedule. So thankfully, um, they're aware of what needs to be done first and that they have their schedule set. So they'll send me the, the, the work and, and, um, they're like, okay, here's, 
the next issue of Agents of Pact. But then like, oh, well, here's uh, here's Captain Canuck and or sometimes a book, you know, is pushing the deadline. And they're like, OK, um, we've talked about it. Don't do that first. You know, do Captain Canuck takes precedence. And, you know, so they know where their priorities are and they know that I can't do uh, multiple at, at the same at the same time. Mind you, I have I mean, it's been done, but, you know, they they are aware of the uh, uh, of the one man uh, band that I am. So, <laughs> so the release schedule is like more spaced out. So like yeah. they will tell you what's the priority and exactly. then you can leave things for a few days later or, yeah, or exactly. maybe like a and, week or two later. Yeah. And plus, I mean, the art is coming ahead of time. So like they give me, I would say the average that they, they usually give me five days to, to at least submit a first draft. And uh, I do, you know, thankfully, you know, I've got it down to a science that I, I can do it, you know, in a day or two. So they have plenty of time to, to edit and review. And, and, and once everything is, you know, golden, then I'll, I'll send the, um, the files back to them and then, you know, ready for pre-press and eventually print. That's awesome. So what is it like seeing books that you've lettered for like a professional publishing company out on the stands? Uh, you know, at first I was extremely giddy. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, there's the work that I've done. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making aware, especially on, on Facebook and social media. They're like, Here's the book that I lettered guys. And I have a, a folder, you know, the, of, of my credits, you know, cause Hey, it's great for a resume. So, I mean, like, here's my credits as a, as a professional, you know, letterer. And, uh, and every time I, I get a new one, you know, I'm, I'm adding the, the cover or the list to the, to the folder. And, uh, and now it, it's definitely feels much more comfortable. I'm like, okay, and the next book is out and on to the next. And it, it always seems like every time I submit, uh, a, a book, a fine, a finished book, I get a new one. And it seems like lettering would be an easier way to break in to the big two, to Marvel and DC, because so many people want to be artists and writers. Not many people think of the letter, right? Yeah, no, it, it's true. I mean, like going back to it, it's very uh, underappreciated. I mean, and, and the one thing that you'll definitely notice about about lettering is 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 you'll you'll definitely notice when it's done, you know, incorrectly, or you definitely know when it looks bad. You know, nobody ever notices uh, when when a when a book is lettered properly. You know, it's kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of thing that that's kind of glanced over. But you know, you'll definitely notice if it's bad. You know what? It's something that I that I personally enjoy because um, I'm I'm getting you know it's no it's not the writing it's not art it's not coloring but it is still a part of comic book production that you know I get to put my my, my little staple on these books and uh, it's something to be proud of at the end of the day and you do get opportunities to do like the covers for. Yeah, Some and then there's and then Captain there's books, yeah, right? and, then there, and then there's times I go back to it and I said, "Oh, here's another opportunity to do a couple uh, a new covers." And uh, fortunately for the new number one, I actually have two variant covers: one that I, I, I distribute and I sell personally, and then one that's actually going to be uh, a show exclusive for the Telsaber Comic Con, which is in a couple weeks. Wow! Uh, for that one, we did a really nice, um, well, at least. I'm I'm really happy with it, but we did a uh, cover cover homage of uh, Adventure Comics, which was the the first uh, the first Legion book. So oh, you nice. had the the Superboy uh, uh, standing in front of the Legion, saying, "Oh, you can't be part of the Legion." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That we did Legion the exact same thing, but with for Captain Canuck. So instead of it says Chapter House Comics in in the same style, and um, you have Captain Canuck in front of the agent the the agents of Pact. Kind of a thing. So it, it's, uh, it was fun to do and, and I have to, um, 
I give a big shout out to to my colorist for that cover, which was Donovan uh, Yasiak. He just absolutely killed the the coloring, and he actually aged it to make it look like a very old retro comic. And you know, so it, we were really happy with that one. And I, I haven't, I have yet to actually see it in, you know, hold it in my hand. But uh, based on what I've I've heard, uh, it looks uh, it looks fantastic. In you print. do a lot of homages because I noticed that there was a homage to Action Comics number one for Oric of the Great White North right. too. That's something we, we, we which we promoted just yesterday. <laughs> so what we did, uh, yeah, it was uh, um, an homage cover, and this was uh, done by uh, Brendan Montgomery, who actually lives up in Timmins as well. And this was going to be another. Um, a variant cover for uh, a show out in St. Thomas, and uh, which was also also run by Pop Culture Canada, and this, we, we thought it would be a great opportunity because we are are um, we are going to be doing a second printing of issue one, so we've we've you know uh, thankfully um, uh, sold out of uh, our first printing, and uh, we're going back into the second printing, and you know we're doing a variant cover exclusive for them, uh, and. Uh, we can't wait to can't wait to see how that how that one turns out. That's amazing. The variant cover that you did that I was aware of first was the gender bending mm-hmm. female Captain Canuck. Yeah, right? that's coming out. I believe you're doing a launch at, uh, at Gotham, Gotham Central, right? This Saturday, yeah. So I'll be doing a launch for that, and uh, that one was just a fun project. I mean, we um, I think it was, that was a commission request uh, um, from a, a friend of mine, uh, Martin Bruda. And uh, he he says, I would love to see a female Canuck. And he specifically uh, uh, requested the uh, the Power Girl style boob window. <laughs> so um, ulterior motives there a little bit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of requested that. So I kind of took that and uh, I, uh, you know, did, did a mock up originally first on a sketch cover. And uh, he says, yeah, like, that's it. So I decided to do a full cover, you know, pin up action pose which ended up being the issue one cover and uh so now it's like an official variant yeah so yeah it's one of of many for issue one (laughs) cool cool that's awesome i'd love to get a copy of that that would be cool i think but i'm I'm gonna be at the cottage uh, when you launch this and uh, i believe this airs a little bit after airs the week after yeah uh, you've done the launch but people can still Pick up the book. Uh, they can go to uh, Gotham Central uh, in Mississauga on Dixie Road, or they can, you know, pick up the book at their local LCS uh, comic shop. Yeah, they'll right? be able to pick up at least the the um, the regular Captain Canuck number one. They'll be able to pick up from their local comic shop. the The variant um, will be directly through me. Okay. Uh, it's more of like a convention kind of release. So people, if people want it, they can, uh, they can contact me or they can find me at a, at a local convention and they can pick up a copy. Uh, I mean, I, I do travel quite a bit, so it's not like it, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be hard to get your hands on. And one. you seem to have a lot of affection for the smaller shows, like the, the ones in the small town Canada. What, why is that? What do you like about the smaller shows? I'll give you over yeah, the I'll, larger shows. I'll give you a great example. I mean, we, um, a few weeks back, we we did the Graphicon in, in Sudbury, and we were very fortunate to uh, Davis and I actually we went there together, and we were very fortunate to be invited by the the showrunners as guests. So they said, "Well, you know, we'll bring you up." And it's a one day show out in Sudbury, and um, 
you know, I, me, you know, never, never doing it before. I'm like, okay, you know, I hope it does well. I mean, you know, I, I'm taking the time, you know, out of my schedule and, um, but it ended up being absolutely fantastic uh, for, for, for that one day show. And it was small. It was held in a, in a gym arena, excuse me. It was held in a, uh, like, you know, hockey arena type, type deal. And, um, we were just promoting, like we, we were, uh, fortunate to have neighbors like expired comics on our side who does big Nick, which is another local, uh, Oh, I love big Nick. So, (laughs) so for those who don't know, Sudbury, Ontario is known as like a mining town. They mine nickel. So they have this giant nickel as like a monument, uh, in their town. So, uh, the big Nick is like a superhero, uh, for Sudbury based on the big nickel, which everybody in Sudbury knows. Because if you go to Sudbury, there's two places you have to go. Science North, which is like a science center sort of thing, and to visit the big nickel. Mm-hmm. And somebody finally was like, the big nickel would be great as a superhero, and there came the big nick. That's right. Yeah, who he and he can uh, he has the ability to 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 change his his size, so he you know he'll grow huge and use the big nick the the nickel as a shield, and it's a, oh it's a fantastic comic, which I, I think everyone should check out. Um, and then and then we also had Scott Sawyer promoting North as well, and he had the he had the two issues, which is which is funny because I'm like here I am selling my book, but I'm like I worked on those two books as well. And right, you lettered uh, North, that's right? right? Yeah, uh, Scott Sawyer came in here you should check out uh, his episode of speech bubble as well uh he does sort of a canadian justice league take basically what do you think of all these canadian heroes that are popping up because i mean earlier in the conversation we talked about how there weren't a lot of canadian superheroes and now we're 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 entering or we are in like what I like to dub the, the new golden age of Canadian comics. I mean, you know, Canada already has a very rich history of, of comics, you know, especially in the war era, you know, you had Nelvana, Johnny Canuck and, and subsequent others, but, uh, you had, uh, but, the Canadian whites. Exactly. That's, basically. that's exactly what it was called. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't think of the name at the time, but, but now, you know, we're entering this new age where, and it's so. I think it was definitely desperately needed. You know, you definitely wanted to do this because you definitely wanted to, to throw something new and, and give uh, other people, you know, something new and fresh to read. You know, because it, is, it isn't always going to be, uh, you know, in case they're tired of you know the the big two or and, and Image Comics also has a, a a great library of fantastic reads. But then you have you know uh, books that are are made. In Canada, about Canada, you know, starring Canadian superheroes. Right. And, and, Nothing is – because, you know, the thing that people get, I think, tired of is everything's sort of American-centric in, in yeah. the comic industry. Even though there's lots of Canadians working in comics today, they're working on American comics. Exactly. Mostly. Exactly. And, and then there are Canadian characters – you know, such as, you know, Deadpool and Wolverine, but it's controlled by American companies. Right. And American voice, American sensibility. Exactly. So, I mean, you have these characters. So as, as great as these characters are, I don't think that they, they necessarily capture the true nature of the Canadian and, you know, of what it beats to be Canadian. And so, and I think you got to leave it to the Canadians to, to do it properly. Right. Because just because, you know, Wolverine is in Red Deer or Saskatchewan, doesn't necessarily denote anything more Canadian than just the fact that he is Canadian yeah. and he's in a Canadian location. And then that that's kind of where it stops yeah. because an American can't 
really think beyond that necessarily. Yeah, and I mean, and I won't, uh, you know, I won't go on because I'm not a, an avid Marvel reader. So, uh, but it, it, it's it was definitely something lacking, and then I think that's that that was the need that we fill that we're starting to fill, and people are enjoying saying, "Hey, there's 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 Oric, and there's Captain Canuck, there's Big Nick." You know, there there's something for everybody. You know, and, and I think that's the thing too is you know when you're bringing these these books to these small shows. You know, you're getting people excited. It's like, oh, wow, that, you know, you're introducing people to a bigger, a broader world and a, a broader, uh, uh, uh library of, well, that is, you know, the Canadian comics. And I think, too, people, especially from smaller shows who maybe don't think that they get thought of very often, especially in like the larger geek sphere of, of pop culture, I think having uh, your own regional superhero that's specific to Sudbury or specific to Northern Ontario puts a smile on people's faces because it gives them a sense of ownership yeah, over their town, absolutely. over their little slice of geeky pop culture. You know what I mean? They, they don't have to look to the big Canadian superheroes that everyone else looks to because they have a superhero of their own and that there's a pride in that. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, Canada is a, is a very big country and, um, and we're fortunate now to be just, just discovering, you know, heroes and books that, you know, that take place in other places in other parts of Canada. You know, it's not just Ontario. I mean, we have, uh, Aurora Man, uh, which is based out of uh, Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah, and, and then we have other great books, and then you know you, you start meeting these these creators, and um, and we start sharing stories and experiences, and, and uh, we're starting to help each other, and um, we start forming an, an alliance, and and that's actually what what ended up happening. We you know we have. You know, Big Nick. We have Aurora Man. We have uh, a lot of other great titles for other creators, and we're, we've built this this community called the, the Canadian Comic Book Alliance, and it and, and it's just a, a a neat little gathering of creators with their own stories from all across the uh, from all across the country, who's basically our our goal is to help each other is you know to help each other with uh, with getting the word out or. Or helping with with tips of the you know tricks of the trade and you know the, you know that kind of thing. Or contributing librarian covers or creative That's stuff. Absolutely, or yeah. lettering, which, which or... has definitely happened already. So it's uh, yeah, and that and, and lettering. You know, when people are looking for uh, a hand, you know, we're we're more than help, more than happy to to lend that helping hand. So how Canadian of you. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's awesome. I, I really like this golden age that we're in. I wanted to ask you, going back to Chapter chapter House for a second, um, so this is a new number one on, on Captain Canuck. Why why is there a new number one on on Captain Canuck? And it's a, can you go a little bit into the into the chapter verse a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I mean, with the new Captain Canuck number one, it, it, I think it's just a uh, it's an it's it's a, a jumping on point. Okay. So it it still continues the current storyline that was established in into in a couple of years ago with the original I would say the new number 1 uh which which launched the the reboot of of Captain Canuck. Right. For those of you that don't know there's the original Richard Cromley 1970s run right. 
Then there's the modern reboot, which launched a few years ago, and that's that's the Kelman Andrushovsky created the costume. That's the one that's owned by Chapter House. That's the one they're going with now. That's the one they have their own like web series and cartoon. That's right, yeah, and that kind of thing. So that's taking Richard Cromley's crea- creation and modernizing it and making it, uh, you know, livening it up for today. Basically, you can learn more about that in our Kelman Andrushovsky episode of Speech Bubble. But then now they're doing a number one within that universe, a so new number one within the jump, modern universe. It's a universe. new jumping on point uh, because it, it's a new chapter, literally, in, uh, in, in, in Captain Canuck's career and his life, I would say. Uh, we, we call it season three because it, it really is the third vol. It's the, the launch of the third volume uh, of the Captain Canuck storyline. It follows the events of Agents of Pact. You know, there's a new threat and, and – uh, Captain Canuck has been uh, – he's been out of the picture. He's been uh, AWOL, I would say, um, since the uh, the end of the second volume of Captain Canuck. You know, he quits uh, the organization Equilibrium and he goes hiding, um, you know, he's, he's taking a break. He's, he, he doesn't want anything to do with uh, with his brother's company anymore. And and well now there's this this threat, you know, the, the organization known as Pact, which is a paranormal uh, – a paranormal investigative division of CSIS. They are looking to recruit uh, to Captain Canuck. They said, "Wait, we need your help." You know, th- you know, the stuff's hitting the fan, and uh, he doesn't, and he doesn't want to. And so basically, they're they're trying to get him back into the picture. Um, so it, it's a great time for new readers uh, to to jump on, and if they're if they like what they're, they're reading, they can go back and read the first two volumes of Captain Canuck, and and then followed by you know Agents of Pact. I mean, it, it's it's not very far into the into the chapter verse that people can can catch up, but it's also a great place uh, you know if, for for new readers to to get to get back on. That's perfect for me because you know when when uh, the new Captain Canuck and Chapter House first launched him, I was all on board and I was reading the first volumes and I was doing all that sort of stuff. But then, you know, you get distracted by other titles, you take a break for a while, and before you know it, you're too far behind to sort of catch up. So it's nice that for people like me who are sort of lapsed Captain Canuck fans, we can get back in, we can get back into it. Absolutely, yeah. It's awesome. All right, man. So... Where can people find you, uh, particularly if they want to order the the Captain Canuck uh, variant that you've done? Um, I've yet to I mean like I have a, we have a store for Oric, and which is greatnorthcomics.com. That's where we sell Oric uh, okay. s- stuff. Uh, I've yet to set up an actual store for for my stuff for the variants. But if you want to find me, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Mister uh, Mr. Uh, underscore Andrew Thomas. You can also find me uh, on Facebook, uh, Andrew Thomas. Uh, I mean. I'm not I'm not very hard to find. <laughs> cool. Um what's next for you? I mean, with Oric, we're three issues in plus issue 0, the the mini issue that we talked plus about. Plus we have two we have also uh, two annual one-shots as well for 2016 and 2017. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, when is issue 4 coming out? What is the we're, future of Oric? Well, we are like? it's it's currently in production. We are I mean, I'm I'm, I'm drawing uh, issue 4 right now and uh, we are hoping hoping for a fan expo release and it's it'll probably end up being one, uh, like uh, an early pre-release and then chances are the plan is what we'll do is after the show we're going to do a very short very modest uh, kickstarter saying hey 
Uh, which which is probably going to be the way to kind of also get the word out because Kickstarter is a, a very versatile tool for uh, for for promotion, especially with comics. Um, so we'll do that almost as like a, as a pre order, and you know, and then we'll do the, our regular release after after Fan Expo. Since the initial uh, buzz about Oric when it first came out with the media and all that sort of stuff, have the sellouts continued? It, well, the, the sales have been has been good, uh, especially with with with, the, with me doing you know bringing work to small shows. We have a, a you know a, a neat little package for new readers saying, hey, you know you get the first you know four issues including zero, plus you get the you know a, a cute little bookmark and a sticker you know for for a very modest price. And uh, and, and and we all but sell, sold out, especially uh, at, when we were in Sudbury, and people were were taking it, and people were very interested that we actually had to start supplementing our very experience um as our regular uh covers because we were selling out <laughs> wow they were getting the bonus covers oh yeah the our loss was their gain yeah. which was okay i mean we were more than happy to, to do that because people wanted to read and then we've we've had people uh you know like the you know the the facebook page uh which is uh, uh facebook.com slash orc o-t-g-w-n we might have to change that <laughs> okay but um it's just people coming back and, and, uh, we also are doing pretty well, uh, on the digital front, uh, which we are currently selling through drive through comics. Uh, but we also do have a plan for comiXology, uh, in the very near future. That's awesome. I should say that Auric is spelled A U R I C, right? Mm-hmm. So that people don't spell it Auric or <laughs> Auric, like the bug extermination company or yeah. something like that. So, yeah, just uh, check that out. Uh, Google that. Go to all the websites that uh, Andrew mentioned. And, uh, you know, follow Captain Canuck, too, because this is a perfect time to get on that. Oh, yeah, um, Captain Canuck, Chapter House Publishing uh, on uh, on Facebook. Uh, they're very heavy on the social media. You also check out uh, chapterhouse.ca, and then you, that's where you can get all the cool Chapter House books and swag. And as I said before, check out our episodes with Kalman Andershofsky. Uh, you might want to also check out our episode with Mark Shaneblum, mm-hmm. who's the creator of Northgard, which is also a superhero that's part of uh, the Chapter House uh, family. Yeah, they got. Uh, they we got also to. interviewed uh, Jason Liu, who creates the Pitiful Human Lizard, also part of the Chapterverse, and uh, you might want to check that episode out as well. In the meantime, though, uh, I'm going to say goodbye. But first, uh, I want to thank all the people that have been uh, downloading us and uh, following us on Facebook. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SpeechBubblePod. And you can also go to Never Sleeps Network at Never Sleeps Net. Uh, we also recently uh, changed our air dates for SpeechBubble to Fridays. We used to be on Thursdays. Now we're Fridays. If you're listening to this now, you obviously found us. But if you want to hear us on a regular basis, we're coming out on iTunes, on NeverSleepsNetwork.com every Friday. And we'll see you next time on Speech Bubble. This has been Speech Bubble. See you in the future, friends. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.
This episode of Speech Bubble is sponsored by Harry Tarantula at 6979 Young Street. They sell comics and games to bright and imaginative people like you. So go there for your comics fix and go there for their games nights that happen all week. Check harryt.com for the schedule and tell them Aaron sent you.